and welcome to episode 877 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, December 29th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I am joined by two gentlemen, Justin Mason and Jason Collette. Guys, the band is back together. What's going on? Yeah, I uh, had to block a trade to San Diego last night. As, as <laughs> listeners may know, they are on my no trade list due to my incident in San Diego in May of 2018. So Makes I sense. was gonna, I was part of the Blake Snell trade, but I blocked that, and so they just made it work. And um, you know, San Diego dropped a prospect. They were gonna send, uh, I think Mackenzie Gore was part of the deal, and then when I dropped out, Gore came. Once out you of dropped it. out, it changed. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty big impact, but. I had to exercise. I've earned that no trade clause. You know, as a exactly. 48-year-old fan uh, who's been with the team for 20 years, I've earned my right to reject uh, being traded to another fan base. I agree. Justin, how are you doing? You getting traded anywhere? Uh, I am not. No, nobody wants to take on my contract. You want to take a pay cut to go to a winner? You're stuck, you're nah. stuck with the Giants? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm staying here. They've been good to me. I want to finish my twilight years in San Francisco. So. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Well, I I have not been traded either. We have plenty of moves to talk about, though. San Diego uh, almost single-handedly driving the hot stove here. Uh, A couple other moves, though, too. So we do have plenty to talk about, and this will be a moves-only pod here with Jason back. Let's start. We'll kind of build up to the two big pitching moves. Those are awesome. We're going to get into those. Uh, We'll start with a few smaller moves. Well, I mean, this one's huge, but uh, we'll start with this one. Jose Urania to the Tigers. Now, two World Series in a row, or you think we can get three off of this? At least Jason, three. Let's start with you. Three? Okay. Because, I, I mean, it's pivotal, right? It's so pivotal to get Jose Urania. Forget Casey Mize, Tarek Skubal, whatever. Jose Urania, linchpin. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. Now, obviously, this is a tiny move, but uh, exactly the kind of move that a... a rebuilding, you know, working their way up clubs should be doing. He's 29. He can eat some innings this year as they can kind of continue to move forward. Um, he had a little flash like in 17 and 18, both sub four ERA seasons, but he was one of those guys where just FIP, you know, I, and I know FIP has its issues, but FIP alone was telling you, watch out. When he had a 382 ERA in uh, 17, it came with a 520 FIP. And then a 398 ERA in 18, it came with a 417. The 417 is a lot more palatable. He had cut his home runs and walks, but he's never really missed a lot of bats. He throws hard. Should Arena be a reliever at this point, Jason? I, I think so. I think that's where his value is. I mean, when you look at his limitations from the stuff, he's got the, you know, he's got the the fastball, but it's just for everything he has, he just doesn't miss enough bats as a starter. Uh, and given that he is essentially a uh, a two-pitch guy when you talk about the quality of the pitches, I think that that's where his value could be, is working a, as, a, as a longer guy, but not a mop-up long guy. I'm talking about, you know, maybe you you use an opener in front of him. I mean, Detroit yeah. could do that if they want to and, and, and then see where he goes from there. Uh, but it'll be very interesting to see what they where they go with him because last year it was just, you know, we all know what 2020 was. But there was it, it 
disrupted what he was doing. He got to a point where he was throwing a whole bunch of sinkers, and last year he's like, eh, never mind. I'm going to stop throwing more sinkers. I'm going to throw more sliders and more four-seamers and see where that type of route, so see if that continues uh, with going to a new team. But he really started to mix up the way he was using his pitches because, you know, the sinker has been quite hittable. Uh, And if he's going to start using, throwing fewer sinkers and going more sliders and and four-seamers, and especially in a relief uh, mode, that could really help. But uh, we'll see where he goes. He's been throwing 96 as a a starter for the bulk of his career. And Urania shows that velo alone will not get you success. Um, you got to have something to go with it. But this is why I think relief, he could actually generate some fantasy value. And and maybe even as far as going into the ninth. I like where you're, where you're at. I, I think that's probably more likely that he'd be like a two to four inning guy in the middle first. But I wonder if they'll consider maybe throwing him in the in the back end of the bullpen. I mean, he's in the rotation right now. Um, I think until, you know, Scooble, Mize, Manning are there. Ideally, with like Boyd and Turnbull and um, Fulmer's coming back, then they can focus on it. But he'll probably get some starts right now. Any thoughts on uh, on, any thoughts on Urania, Justin? Yeah, I mean, he really needs to just work the the fastball and slider and kind of ditch the sinker a little bit. He had like a three seventy five batting average on that sinker last year. It's just not not a good pitch. And like you said, it's. Uh, we especially when you give up as much hard contact as he does. I mean, you look at his Statcast profile, and the only thing that's red or the only thing that's not blue is the fastball velocity. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else is just just atrocious for him. So I, I do think he should be in the bullpen. The problem is in Detroit, mm-hmm. unless they go get another piece, he's in the rotation probably for the majority of the season. Considering we don't know what Matt Manning's status is going to be health wise. So true. True. Although I think currently the setup doesn't have Scooble in it. Oh no, it does. It does. It does. It does. It does. It is Scooble as the five? Well, uh, Mize could could push Urania out, but then you got Fulmer has to be healthy, et cetera, et cetera. And, so. and they could always go get another cheap piece. Yes, so. another Urania type. To mm-hmm. be honest. So okay, uh, well, we don't need to spend too much more time there. Uh, the Rangers signed Kohi Arihara. Now I know. Nothing about this gentleman. I'm just going to be honest. Two-year deal in the $7 million range. It looks like it's 6.2. And then uh, it'll be 2.6 and 3. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does not matter how much he's going to make. He's coming over from Japan. 28-year-old. Has been pretty solid over there. Uh, After a couple of down years in 17 and 18, he bounced back for Nippon Ham the last two years uh, with 246 and 346 ERAs respectively. A sub-one whip. In 2019, uh, doesn't miss a ton of bats. Control keeps keeps the ball in the park. Doesn't look like he's going to be somebody who's going to, you know, flip the league on its head or anything. But seems like somebody who will, would be an afterthought. You know, probably not going very high in drafts, but maybe could be useful in Texas, especially the way it's playing now. If Globe Life is indeed more pitcher friendly than hitter friendly, maybe Arihara has a little bit of streaming value. That's all I see right now until I can actually see him because, like I said, I just don't know that much about him. I mean, he's a low 90s righty fastball changeup slider. Um, like a lot of players, uh, like like somebody we're going to talk about a little bit, also came over from Japan, Yu Darvish. He does have a lot of pitches. Like, those are kind of the foundational ones, but then has all these other tricks up his sleeve. So, Justin, does Arihara... You play in a lot of crazy deep leagues, like where 
Jason's son should be one of your considerations. Uh, He's is lefty. Ari, there you go. Is Ari Hara somebody that's uh, that's that's drawing any interest from you? Uh, not necessarily for me. I, I did. We're in the middle of the free agency period in that thirty-team hundred-man roster league. And the moment he signed, I threw him up for bidding just to see if other people would go crazy mm-hmm. on him. Uh, and I mean, people didn't go crazy, but they also he, he wasn't cheap. He went for like six million dollars on a five-year contract. So with a hundred sixty million dollar cap, that's you know that's that's not that's, nothing. That's something. Yeah, that's yeah. something. Um, especially him being twenty-eight. I just don't know that he's got the upside of uh, a player that I want to take a gamble on, having never really seen pitch. So I mean, again, like like we always say with you know these guys coming over from Japan or from Korea, you know Tim McLeod is you know or Tom Musa are, are kind of the the go to guys for me in terms of uh, you know Asian prospects coming over. So I'll, I'll get their information and, and pass it on and, and give them credit because like, like you, I have not seen him pitch. Yeah, it, it, Red Sox and Padres were the other finalists, and I love the the last line here in the trade rumors. San Diego and Boston will now have to turn elsewhere in their hunt for additional rotation depth. I wonder what happened of San Diego. Were they able to find that depth? Uh, Jason, do you, do you kind of share in our uh, skepticism is maybe too harsh a word, but just our wait-and-see approach with Arihara, or do you have any anything on him? Yeah, I mean, the rule of thumb seems to be like the KBO is a double A uh, quality league and the uh, Japan is triple A. Uh, when you look at the report, I was looking at Dallas Morning News and they were talking, they say he throws seven different types of pitches, two and four seam, splitter, slider, cutter, change up curveball. Uh, oh so gosh. like Tanaka, maybe, you know, uh, throwing a whole bunch and he doesn't walk a lot of guys, uh, very low walk rate over there. So it'll be interesting. Hopefully they're not expecting him to step into Lance Lynn's shoes because those are giant shoes to fill. I mean, Lance Lynn was just, uh, was a workhorse, uh, not the CEO. You know, he didn't, wasn't throwing this whole bag of tricks, but Lance Lynn took the ball and, and took the ball deep into a lot of starts, uh, over his time. And this isn't something I don't expect him to step in and, and do that. I would kind of think back, you know, every time we have somebody come over from one of the other leagues, that first year tends to be a struggle. I mean, it goes back uh, you know, Nishioka infielder with the twins. Oh, he's going to be great. And he was awful. Uh, oh even gosh, Kikuchi. I, I mean, Kikuchi, when he came over, it was supposed to be, oh, this is going to be great. And now I like Kikuchi coming for 2021. I think he pitched better than what is out. What is that final outcomes were last year? And I like the progress that he made, but mm-hmm. Kikuchi so far for two years has failed to meet the expectations that he came over with. And that's what you have to be worried about here. But to your earlier point about the, the, the run environment and what things are playing like in, in Costco stadium there, uh, that's what I call it because it looks like Costco warehouse. Uh, you know that it's it could help. Uh, it could help him. But again, Kikuchi for everything that he came over with has failed to meet those expectations, uh, and that's what rings in the back of my mind. And maybe that explains why in Justin's one thousand man roster league, um, that the uh, the activity on that wasn't as as big. Yeah, and Kikuchi has much better stuff than Arihara. So play wait and see with him. Now let's kind of dive uh, dive into the bigger moves here. We we're definitely taking a a shift upward. When we talk about the Josh Bell trade to the Nats, this one kind of came out of nowhere. You know what's been crazy this this season here? It seems like we get a rumor and then it comes true so quickly. Like so many rumors, you know, come and go. And it's like, oh, they were talking to that. They were doing that. Nothing comes of it. I feel like this year it was mainly the Padres driving it. But this year we get a brief rumor. Hour later, deal's done. Pirates talking to the Nats about trading Bell. 
boom, done. Will Crow, Eddie Yeen going back. Um, couple couple of prospects for Bell. Bell obviously coming off of a disastrous 2020 after that big breakout 20, 2019 season. And it's kind of the, you know, will the real Josh Bell please stand up sort of deal. I have a hard time killing him for 20, but I do look back at 18, uh, you know, 18, 17, 16, really, or 18 and 17, those were two full seasons, uh, where he was, you know, just a bit above average. And the 19 does stick out like a sore thumb, but does going to a new organization, uh, a winning one, you know, certainly one that's that's on the uptick or, you know, within a winning window versus Pittsburgh, which just seems to be in complete shambles right now. Will that help? Um, can he recapture 19? Jason, when you saw Josh Bell going to Washington, what were your initial thoughts? I thought it was a great move by them, but it really helps his fantasy value because he now he's going to be hitting Right now, he's being projected to hit cleanup for a better lineup in front of him. Hitting cleanup mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh is like, yay. <laughs> hitting yeah, cleanup like, in Washington is like, oh, okay. Uh, so that helps. I mean, you mentioned the 19 stands out like a sore thumb, but I think you even have to break it down smaller than that. The first half of 19 st- sticks out like a sore thumb yes. because that first half was so amazing. And then since then, since the middle half of 19, if you include 20, it's been average at best. Uh, but again, you know, last year was last year. Uh, and but the second half of 19 really looked at it to say, wow, uh, you know, that was, you know, he's he should be better than this, but he wasn't. But we have this long, you know, 100 game stretch now of rather disappointing performance from a, from a corner guy. That said, you know, the, the way he closed out 18 and started 19 was pretty awesome. If you're looking at a guy I mentioned, again, uh, with Kikuchi earlier about somebody who you're like, okay, I'm ba- I'll am i be back in this year. Like, Bell's a guy that I want to be back in on. And I, I last year, I think I had him as a top 60 guy coming into it. Uh, and now with the change in location, I'm ba- I'll be back in again uh, on Bell because I, I really I think this is a you know put him in a change of scenery type of thing uh, where it's a new place but better surrounding cast. It's got to be tough to have that mo- get that motor starting when you're playing for a team that's like out of it in the first week of the season, like it, yeah. like it has been in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean it, nothing, nothing went right there. And now, Jason, uh, Justin, I'm very excited to see. I, I don't think enough drafts have passed yet to really see it. But your your market watch stuff, I'm really eager to see where Josh Bell is going to go from here. He's the 20th first baseman so far in the early draft market, weirdly ahead of Jared Walsh. Uh, maybe not weirdly, but I, I don't agree with that. I would take Walsh. Um, but he's in between Christian Walker and Jared Walsh. That, that fits. I, they're, they're all three. You can kind of pick who you like there. I'd pick 186. Where do you think this move gets him? Because it's such a big jump to a, a team of quality. Washington versus Pittsburgh. I think that alone is going to carry him up a few spots. But can he go ahead of Walker, who's just ahead of him? And can he get to Reese Hoskins territory, which is about 20 picks there? Or does he live somewhere in between Hoskins and Walker? What do you think Bell does as we get uh, some more drafts coming in here with, with him on Washington? I definitely think he moves ahead of Walker. I don't know that he makes it all the way up to Reese Hoskins. The only thing that... Makes me wonder if he does move ahead of Hoskins is the fact that Hoskins may not be ready for the start of the season. Mm-hmm. And people will tend to lean towards the player that they don't have to stash for an unknown amount of time. So, I mean, he could yeah. move up into that one, you know, top 175, top 160 area. I'm very torn on him. Like, there's there were some very concerning things about 
his profile, but a lot of it had to do with the first month of the season. I mean, in September, he was much more the guy, uh, especially in terms of his zone contact and overall contact rates. Uh, then, you know, he's much more like he was in 2018, 2019. So, you know, do I think we see another 2019 or first half of 2019, as Jason put it? I don't think so, but I think he goes back to being like a mid-20s homer guy with a good on-base percentage. Uh, and if he can stick in the middle of that lineup, then he's, uh, you know, a pretty decent value with the, the runs in RBIs. Uh, so I, I like where he's going in terms of, you know, the risk uh, versus mm-hmm. reward. So with all the, all the weird stuff that went on, the baseball forecaster uh, decided to do like, like when they're showing stats, they have 16 through 20 individually, but then they show the 19 second half and the 19 second half plus 20 together. And for Josh Bell, that's 480 plate appearances with 23 homers, 68 ribbies, and a 234 average. Obviously, he's going to have more than 480. I think he's, you know, 600 plus for sure. So we're probably looking at like, and this was with Pittsburgh that he did this. I could see. Upper 20s with 90-something ribbies just being on that club. But it, it may come with more of a 240 to 255 average, which is fine, right? I mean, you know, he's hit 261 for his career, so maybe even I'm underestimating him there because of the ugly second half, 19 and 20. But I agree with you guys. I think jumping back in at that price can't really hurt you too much. Um, like I kind of prefer Jared Walsh in that range, but I could totally understand somebody who looks at the uh, Mancini, Walker, Bell, Walsh, Sano group and has Bell as their top guy. So we'll see how that goes there. And we'll see if Washington does anything else, by the way, because there's still some other moves they, they could be interested in to solidifying themselves. Speaking of Pittsburgh, this isn't a move, but it's more of a rumor. Could Joe Musgrove be next, Jason? Um, it seems like there would be no reason to keep him. Pitching's hot on the market right now. Find somebody that, you know, lost out on Snell, lost out on uh, um, um, Darvish, and get on the horn with them about Musgrove. You know, should Boston be in? Like, because uh, I don't think they can do a full-scale rebuild. They need to They need to kind of retool. Should they be in? Do you see Musgrove getting traded this offseason, Jason? I, I do. And I, I was going to bring that up when you said, hey, it seems like it's like rumor and then result very mm-hmm. quickly. But this one's been out there for a bit. And yes. it feels like, like to me, this is an obvious move for Toronto. Toronto, oh God, yes. the young core, yeah, like Mike Petriello put out the, the the war. He ranked the teams by war adjusted. Like San Diego's now second right behind the Padres, uh, or right behind the uh, Dodgers, rather. But like Toronto's up there, and they got that young core, and they need help. They need another pitcher. To me, this, and they have the, the cachet to trade from. To me, this would be like an obvious move. Like uh, this morning, the World Series uh, uh, odds came out. And uh, the World Series odds for the Pirates right now are 200 to 1. The next the next club, Texas Rangers, 125 to 1. Like, that's how bad people wow. look at Pittsburgh. Like, they're already in – like, they have the top pick for this draft. They may have the top pick for the 2022 draft yes. as well, the way things are going, right? And by the way, your Tigers are also 125 to 1. And the Giants are 80 to 1. Uh, my Woo-hoo! Rays are 16 to 1 still oh, somehow. Wow. Uh, but that was the the odds with the uh, the see the Dodgers are somehow only four to one, the Yankees six to one forever. I don't care what the Yankees do; they always have like the second best odds. Yeah, uh, 
Oh, and, and, and the Padres. After all this, seven to one. They still have worse odds than the Yankees. Go figure. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but th- to me, the obvious thing would be to get them over to uh, make a trade and get them over to um, get them over to Toronto. I don't know what Toronto Did would you? offer, but that's to me, that seems like the obvious move. Well, maybe just up whatever they offered in the summer. Did you know that they had a deal nearly completed for Joe Musgrove? And uh, according to Robert Murray, it fell apart in the 11th hour. Uh, so that's when they settled for P- uh, Robbie Ray and Ross Stripling instead uh, of getting Joe Musgrove. So there, he's on their radar. I think it's an amazing fit. I totally agree. With you. I love Joe Musgrove. Anyone who listens to the show knows my obsession with him and, and getting him out of Pittsburgh. I absolutely want that, even for a worse park. I don't care. Just get him out of there, please. <laughs> um, imagine what he would have been if he had stayed in Houston, by the way. I just feel like oh, they yeah. really would have maximized him. But, you know, you got a chance to get Garrett Cole. I think you got to go ahead and and make that move. Uh, anybody besides Toronto that you see as a good fit, Justin? But I, I really do like that Toronto. I role. mean, the Toronto fit seems like the, the logical place for him, a team that's on the upswing, that needs, uh, you know, a few more rotation pieces, uh, that maybe they don't want to, you know, pay the long-term deal on Bauer. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I mean, that, that seems like the most logical. I mean, obviously Boston could be a team that gets involved. I mean, uh, Musgrove's only, you know, predicted to get like 3.8 mil in terms of his arbitration for this year. So that's just a, such a cheap rotation piece. The Angels could be another team. Uh, yeah. that would make a lot of sense. Uh, as should they, certainly be talking to him. Yeah, so, uh, but, I mean, I would be super surprised if uh, if Musgrove is a pirate by opening day. I'd be floored. I'd be absolutely yeah, I mean, he's, he's two years it. out. He's two years out from free agency, uh, and we saw with the other deals yesterday, those guys were three years out from free agency. Uh, and you look at, again, you look at what Toronto has. It should not take much. I mean, Pittsburgh needs help. And Toronto's got a lot of different pieces they could throw and say, here. Well, yeah. and, and clearly they were willing to part with like Josh Bell for absolutely nothing. So <laughs> like, they just want to get money off the books. Yeah. And they took I, I, two, what do they take? Two, uh, two guys that are projected maybe to be fit starters. Yeah. Is what yeah. the, is what it was. So if like, you want to dump money off the books, like look for some young kids, say here, take this guy. And yeah, see what I don't think there. he'll be costing. I don't think Musgrove will cost them big. I think they could get away with um, like three pretty young guys, right? Like Pittsburgh should be wanting guys whose ages start with a one. And I think if you do three guys in that range there that they can kind of dream on a little bit, that'll probably get it done. Maybe even two, depending on how good they are. So we'll keep an eye on that with Joe Musgrove. And then uh, just the capper is that uh, Gregory Polanco broke his wrist in winter ball. Uh, Last bit of Pittsburgh news there. Sorry, Pittsburgh had to end on an even more sour note. One of the guys that you still have out here breaking his wrist. You know, I've always had a soft spot for him. I I really loved him coming up. I had so many expectations for Gregory Polanco that went unmet. He had such a weird season this year where he was smashing the ball when he made contact, but he so rarely made contact that it did not matter whatsoever. Uh, He had a 41% strikeout rate, which I just checked my notes, is not good. Wow. And and thus, um, you'd never really want your WRC plus and your strikeout rate to be like battling, right? And he had a 45 WRC plus. So it's really bad. Uh, Broken wrist, that's not good. 
I would take Gregory Polanco off your draft list at this point. Yeah, I mean, the exit velocity, hard hit percentage, barrel percentage are beautiful, and everything else is just disgusting. So, Absolute poop. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Um, now we get to San, the San Diego portion of the show, so <laughs> I'm, saddle in. I'm going to mute months. my microphone for Jason for a minute. <laughs> let's, uh, well, we'll start, we'll start without, the, uh, without the Tampa Bay move. We'll start with the Haseon Kim move, which snuck up on Justin and I. I will freely admit that in in the fervor of the Snell deal, I had seen people mentioning Kim as if the way I read it was they should also go get Kim. Turns out they already had Kim. And I was like, oh, when the hell did that happen? How did I miss that? And again, rumor done. And that's exactly what happened with Kim. Oh, Padres are front runners for Kim. Oh, now they have Kim. And so they get Asian Kim over from uh, the KBO. And we've talked about him, Justin, you and I have. They get four-year, $25 million deal for a 25-year-old. Now, he's done really well over there. And there's no guarantees. We were talking about that earlier when we were talking about uh, Arihari, uh, Arihara and, and how guys have come over with big expectations and, and really not met, made the grade. But he's 25. He's a power speed guy. His his steam projection is going to get him drafted very highly because uh, when those came out, th- those are looking really nice. I think people are going to maybe overdraft him based on that. Uh, he's got a, I think it was like 22, 22 and, yeah, 22, 8. 22 and 8. Okay. Um, so, you know, that's pretty intriguing there on San Diego. I have a question though. Is he a full-time starter off-rip? Because as it would stand right now, that would put Jake Cronenworth on the bench. Obviously, he's not going to just be a bench guy. Uh, Cronenworth's not. And I'm not saying that just because I like him. He's just too good to just be like, okay, you get one pinch hit a game, la-di-da. Uh, does Kim come in as a full-time starter off-rip, Justin, in your opinion? I think he does. And I think uh, Cronenworth... Uh, if he dips right now, I think you've got to you got to buy on, on the dip because we all expect the DH coming to the National League, which is where you know they they can move Will Myers, they can move you know Tommy Pham, they can move Eric Osmer, they can move a bunch of guys to the DH, and Cronenworth gets you know full time playing time again. So and he can play infield, outfield. Cronenworth can, yeah. so it really is that flexible. That all we need is DH, which we don't have yet. Um, and it's not guaranteed, but we feel pretty good about it. And then, boom, he's back in the line. I'm going to keep drafting him, and I yeah. hope he goes down because, you know, I'm obsessed with him. So now if I can get him at a discount, I'm all over it. Yeah, but as far as Kim goes, um, I mean, this is a really interesting projection by depth charts uh, that they they project the power to transfer over, but not the speed. I, I would actually project it the other way around, where he's more of a – like a 12 to 13 or 12 to 15 homer guy. And I mean, he's going to the team that stole the most bases in 2020. Uh, like, oh, I, let me interrupt you real quick because this is, I, I, I was, when you read the depth charts, it didn't sit with me. I was, Zips is what I had seen. Oh, okay. They had him for 23 17. So even more than that eight that we saw in depth charts there. So I just want to put that out there that. Uh, Zips really liking him 23, 23, 24, 17, 15, 16 as far as the stolen bases the next three years for Kim. So that's what Zips is seeing for him with a 270 something average. Mm-hmm. That would be like people that see that are going to draft him very highly. And I think they should. I mean, I think this is a guy who is 
a borderline top 100 player, uh, especially playing on this Padres team where he can rack up a lot of runs and RBIs. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a little bit more concerned about the power than maybe Zips and in-depth charts uh, shows. I mean, he's just never seen this level of pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, we saw what happened, like, what is uh, Young Ho Park, you know, who is like the, you know, oh. home run monster in the KBO, just <laughs> mm-hmm. not... Hit velocity. <laughs> yeah, could not hit velocity. And, and so there is some concerns that once he starts seeing guys who can pump at 100... Uh, that he just he, he isn't ready for it at least initially. And we saw this with Shogo Akiyama coming over from Japan, where yep. he really really struggled in the first month, and then after that he was actually pretty good. Um, and yeah, I think people be, missed that. So I'll be back in on Akiyama this year. Jung Ho Gung is who you're looking at if you're trying to get excited about mm-hmm. somebody who came over from the KBO with who more really speed. hit the ground running. Yes, with more speed is what it would be uh, the comp. You know, he Less had forty driving hopefully. Oh, God, hope I really hope he's gotten help. Like I'm not even trying to be a jerk about it because when you get that much trouble, like it's help time. Um, with Gung, you know, he had hit 40 homers the year before he came over, and we weren't expecting him to do that. He hits 15 when he comes over, but with a 128 WRC plus, and then he hit 21 in just 103 games in 2016 with a 132. So he really hit the ground running. Uh, Kim, that's that's what folks are looking for. Like you said, with more speed, Jason. With regards to Kim, Justin just said he might be a borderline top 100 guy. Do you see something like that, or do you see maybe a, a platoon move here with uh, with Kim and Cronenworth? I think it's a good landing spot for him because it, he doesn't have to hit high in the lineup. There's not a lot of pressure on him. I mean, the yeah. top of that lineup is set. He's going to hit right for now as he starts out. He's going to hit down in the lineup. Uh, you know, he's not going to unseat Grisham, Tatis, Machado. That's done. Hosper, the top four in that lineup are done. Uh, what I think, and even, you know, this, when you look at uh, defense, because he also was rated very well defensively, too. And you you look at that, but you know, it's not like Cronenworth was doing a bad job. And to no. me, I'd look at this as Cronenworth becomes a new jerks in Profar, because Profar's gone. Uh, and it allows them to uh, allows them to have somebody that can move in and out. Uh, as a nice insurance policy for somebody like Will Myers, who has not been 100% healthy um, year after yep. year, and Tommy Pham, who's had his issues. So it gives them a nice insurance policy. So if you were banking on Cronenworth, uh, you know, he still has value. I would not I would not drop him too far down because would, he's would, still going to play. Tank him. No, tank him, dude. Don't even draft him. Don't <laughs> God, even look at him. Everywhere. <laughs> Don't even look at him, dudes. Uh, you want him dude, everywhere. Uh, do not get Jake me, Cronenworth, worst know. player ever. I, I don't know how Kim could be a top 100 player uh, I'd, I'd right now. Like if we were drafting this week, if we say, okay, yeah, I've, I've got a pick in the 90s, I'm going to take him, only because I could see him being eased into it early on. Uh, and sure. a lot, maybe a lot of front of work to play the first few weeks. Because as, as you said, you know, we saw Akiyama come over and struggle and then eventually adjust. Uh, and other guys struggle with velocity. So that's where you got to see the difference. But for everything that's been written about this guy, a lot is expected. Uh, it's just this seems to be a guy that's going to fall into that camp for me. Like, I'm going to let somebody else take that chance if they're going to take him in the top 100. Now, after that, I'm interested. But right now, bottom of the lineup guy, uh, I, I have issues taking him that highly. He's 180 right now, how Young Kim is. And I took him 160 in the Rotowire mock. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I was in it. <laughs> yeah, I was very happy to do that. He's going to move up from that. That's another one I cannot wait to see 
when Justin does the next uh, market watch update to see where he goes, because I think it's going to be like a 40 pick jump at least. Oh yeah. I I would, I, yeah, I could definitely see that. He's going to be going in that one forty ish area. He's going to be going around guys. He might just take Cronenworth's spot. Yeah. Cronenworth's going one forty four, So he might just go right where, where that was. Yeah. My guess is he slots in right behind like Marcus Simeon, Joe Musgrove, Jorge Soler, in front of uh, you know Darno, Cronenworth, mm-hmm. Fran Mill, or you know, um, so I, which I'm fine with. Like that's, I'd still pay that. Yeah, I'm I'm still gonna pay that too. The hard tar- part becomes if he starts busting up over guys that I really like, like Hayes uh, yes. or Tommy Edmond, things like that. Then I may start having an issue. But don't yep. forget, like he's gonna gain second base eligibility. Comes in with shortstop, gonna gain second base. That's a nice little kind of addition, you know, early in the season. Agreed. Agreed. So, yeah, we're interested to see what happens with us, Young Kim. Draft season's going to be great. All right. Now it's time for the main course. You know, let's talk about these two big pitchers moving to San Diego along with Kim. Um, Blake Snell dealt. Rumor done. Boom. Crazy. Blake Snell to San Diego. Luis Patino. Francisco Mejia. Cole Wilcox. Blake Hunt to San Diego. Wilcox. Hunt. Kind of. Put off to the side a little bit as far as fantasy impact. That's really much deeper leagues. Patino and Mejia are going to have uh, the bigger play here. Jason, I'm obviously going to start with you. This is this is your ball club um, making this trade with San Diego. The, the annual San Diego Tampa Bay trade, by the way. These two teams, uh, uh, seriously, like they have an annual deal, and everyone's always looking for a winner in a deal. It's always a win-win. I always come away from the San Diego Tampa Bay deal because they don't rip each other off. Like they know each other too well. I'd love to hear some of the conversations. Like, all right, we're getting Gore in the Snell deal, and they're like, "No, you're not, dude. Chill out. Let's let's change our sights here a little bit." And then they kind of work from there, and they 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 wind up with this deal. What was your very first reaction, Jason, when you saw the returns for Snell? Uh, I'd like you know, first reaction when I saw it was. Again, not surprised it happened. Um, did, did you see what had gone first, or did you just hear Snell to the Padres? What, I actually woke up what's the going text. For? I mean, I went to bed oh, okay. early Sunday night, and I woke up, and it was just like, oh, he's been traded? And then I had to go look and see what it was, and I was okay. like, okay, th- there was at least, you know, obviously very excited about the potential of Luis Patino. Uh, Patino. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, to me, it honest, honestly it feels a lot like when they traded Matt Garza and got Chris Archer among some That's, other people. You look at the scouting report for Patino right now, and it reads a lot like what the the report was on Chris Archer when he yeah. was coming out of the Cubs organization. Elite makeup, big fastball, big slider, questions if he's going to be a, a bullpen or a starter. I mean, mm-hmm. that's exactly what was written about Chris Archer uh, back then. Uh, and very similar. But, I mean, Patino's pitched in the majors at 20. Chris Archer never didn't get that opportunity. But that's what Patino had. And, you know, we saw what he was capable of in the Futures game. Uh, and now he comes to a place that's got an excellent track record of developing pitchers. And, and to me, it's like, okay, they traded back in the day when they traded Matt Garza, who they got from for Delman Young, and turned Matt Garza into a, hey, we don't know if he's going to be a starter or a reliever, to a very valuable starter, then to flip him out, flip him out <clears throat> and get, you know, they got Sam Fold and they got Brandon Geyer and they got Chris Archer and they got Hawk Julie, who never became anything. But he was like the highest rated guy right behind uh, Chris Archer in that deal. And then they turn around and trade Chris Archer for what they got. And 
ultimately that's the problem here with the with the the way this trade's being received by some is because the ridiculously high bar of an Austin Meadows and a Shane Boz and a Tyler Glass now is going to blow it for everything else. I mean, yep. that was so such a stupid good trade and really put them on the path forward to allow them to even get to the World Series last year. That kind of return blows blows that out for everybody. And so here, like, if that trade had never happened, people may be looking at this and going, hey, wow. Like, I was looking at, at uh, trade rumors, and they have, hey, let's vote on this. How do you vote? How do you rank this for the uh, – how do you rank this for the Padres? And like 55% gave him A, 34 gave or 35 gave him a B. How do you rank it for the Rays? 39 gave him a B, 27 gave him an A, 20, 23 gave him a C uh, type of things. And this is like almost 16,000 votes. So wow. it's, you know, people are viewing this as, as you said, as a win-win. Uh, and it, it gives them some now and later to this deal. Um, and mm-hmm. we'll talk more about the Cubs deal and how the difference there. But for a guy three years and $43 million, uh, you know that's what San Diego's acquiring, and the Rays get pieces for now and later. I mean, they have they had an immediate need for obviously pitching when you, they let uh, Charlie Morton go. So mm-hmm. now their one and their two are gone, uh, and so they had an immediate need for pitching. But even then, I don't know if Patino makes the rotation coming out of camp. Yeah, no, at mean, the age, I mean, I can see him going right to Durham. Uh, yeah. So that's the thing. They, they've got other things they've got to do. And, and Waka is not the thing there either. Uh, you know, I was talking with somebody yesterday. I'm like, I wonder if they go out and, and do a couple of cheap one-year deals to bridge the gap because they've got other guys coming back from injury. You know, they got Chirinos, but Chirinos is not going to pitch in 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got McKay. uh I don't see Honeywell as a starter. I see Honeywell as a reliever at this point, if they can get anything. But looking at guys like Matt Shoemaker, Tyler Chatwood, somebody can get on a one-year deal to help bridge the gap. I can see them doing a couple of things like that. But they need, a, they need an innings dude. But, again, they, the other issue was catcher. I mean, they signed my all-time favorite, re-signed my all-time favorite catcher, Mike Zanino. Oh you know, he's back. Uh, but they needed another catcher. And so getting Francisco Mejia uh, – Gives them a catcher in spirit. Uh, you know, receiving skills aren't the best. He can throw really well, but you know, framing is ish. Uh, but that's what Zanino. Zanino, for all of his problems at at the plate, behind it, he's actually fantastic. Good. And that's uh, what's yeah, kept he's him good there. Yeah, that's uh, and kept so him yeah, that's where they fill some now and later needs um, with it. And so uh, I like the the younger prospects they have. I mean, getting. Uh, getting somebody that should have been a first rounder uh, and, uh, mm-hmm. and letting somebody else pay a signing bonus. <laughs> you yep. know, that worked out well. So again, I, I like it. If it could work out like the, uh, if, if it can at least work out like the Matt Garza trade did where they got, where they ended up getting one star out of it um, and a uh, two different role players that helped push them up to the next then it works out really well. Uh, but obviously in the short term, it's a clear win for San Diego. Um and it just sucks coming off a World Series to be like, okay, there goes this guy, there goes that guy, and uh, know. you know, Kiermaier is clearly going to be next. He's Gotta making be. like twenty-one percent of the payroll at this point, uh, but they have other options to allow him to play. You got to make room for you know, Wander Franco. You got to bring him up, uh, and you got to play him somewhere, uh, and it probably second base. And so you move, you move Brandon Lau to the yeah. outfield. They already yeah. moved Nate Lowe somewhere. Uh, just try to make room. I mean, they, they've got a, they've got crowded situation. You got to bring these kids up. Vidal Bruhan, you got to make room for him at some point I, too. Here, I like him a lot. By the yeah. Uh, so I'm really excited. I mean, I'm excited to see what the future holds. Uh, but I was hoping this was a you know, okay, you made it to the World Series. Let's 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 keep going and try again this year. But it looks like it's going to be a reboot, um, not a rebuild. I did, I look at this as a reboot. 
absolutely. The, the, the Rays, they're not going to do full-scale rebuild. They can retool on the fly, and they'll probably be better than people will, will think now because they've traded, traded a huge name. They're going to trade Kiermaier, and then um, what's it called? Uh, uh, Morton leaving. It looks like, oh, they're not going to care this year. No, they're still going to be good. Look, Listen to the guys they're going to bring up, and they're going to find some pitching. I agree with you on that Shoemaker like fits there, so that's just such a race thing. Justin, let's talk about Snell in San Diego, uh, and then I want to circle back on, on Patino and Mejia as far as their fantasy value. He obviously gets to go to a, a new league. You know, They're going to have to figure, out, figure him out a little bit. And I did a little, little piece yesterday looking at the starting pitcher usage. And if you look at the three years, I looked at 18 to 20, there's not much difference. And so you're like, okay, he's going from one team. And there's a reason these teams trade all the time. They think alike that they do a lot of similar things. So that kind of makes sense. But then when you look and you see at 20, when the Padres were actually good, they took the reins off their starters a little bit. Whereas in 18 and 19, who were they really going to give a bunch of six inning outings to? Um, so yeah, that piece is on the site right now. You can go look at that. I think he should be able to get those extra few. And I'm not talking about making him like a seven inning guy. You know, I, I said in the piece, he's not going to become Lance Lynn. But if he gets those two to three outs per start over the course of a 25 start season, because I don't think we're getting a full 162. So I think 25 starts. Um, in a five-month type season is what what Snell will get. That can make a big difference. What do you think about Snell in San Diego? I mean, I love it for him. Gets out of the AL East. Uh, I agree. I, I understand, like, you know, historically, at least over the last few years, San Diego's limited their starters, but I think that's largely just because of the construction of their roster and the pitching rotation. Uh, I think they will continue to let guys go deeper into games. Uh, this is, I mean, yeah, this is a great move for Snell. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, I, he's, I think he was, I think, going at like as pitcher like 17 or 18 uh, in NFBC. I thoroughly expect him to jump up towards like the top 12, top 14 uh, in terms of where he'll end up in the ADP. And I think I'm here for that. I mean, he, he was healthy this year, and that's what that was kind of the thing that really set him back in, in 2019 was just the health. And so um, I love this move for San Diego. I don't hate it for uh, Tampa Bay in the way that a lot of other people uh, mm-hmm. hate hate it. Uh, I disagree with you in terms of, uh, you know, you talked about, you know, the, the Rays are going to jettison um, Kiermaier off the team. I don't know that they're going to find the – the market for Kiermaier in 2020 that we oh, they're going to rip somebody off for some 18 year old. When you can be... get guys like Adam Eaton for seven mil and they're still, you know, or David Dahl for 3.1, are you really going to, are teams really going to absorb, what is it? 11 or $12 million for Kiermaier. Like I, I just, <laughs> they're going to have to either eat it or they're going to have to pair them off with somebody. The Rays don't eat it. I mean, it's a big contract. <laughs> I, I think they'll contract. figure it out. I think I really they do because some of a Longoria's deal. I mean, they're still yeah, paying him two million this year. So they I, I hear what you're saying there. with Eaton and Dahl, and he shares some of some of their injury issues, but he's so much better than them defensively. It's not even funny. No, like, I, I completely agree. But and I so just... it's still a pretty fair like it, it's it's expensive for the Rays, but it's still a pretty fair price. And if they can, yeah, if a team says you know pay. 
like you said, two two mil a year off of that. And so that takes this year down to nine and next year down to ten. I I, th- I think they'll work something. I, I I do think he's gone too. But if not, then they keep him and and he can be kind of the the team leader and everything. And and we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I like the move for both clubs. I want to talk Mejia, and I want to bring people back to the fact that he was an elite prospect and it has not worked out the way it was supposed to. The the thing was like he was never going to be like a great catcher. Someone in my Twitch chat had it perfectly. I I thought. He was supposed to come up and be kind of like a Carlos Santana in terms of catcher in name only, really, and then kind of figures it out, maybe find somewhere in the outfield, which not that's not what Santana did, but that same sort of deal. Coming up with the Indian switch hitter can can uh, you know hit the ball pretty well, catches for a little bit, give us a little fantasy goodness behind the dish, but then finds a, a, a spot somewhere else. That has not happened. Uh, he's been pretty bad as a major leaguer, 225, 282, 386. 75 WRC plus, but only 362 plate appearances spread out over four years. So we haven't really seen a full-scale opportunity. And the one thing, the the closest that he's had to an opportunity was 244 plate appearances in 2019, and he was about average, a 96 WRC plus. So, Justin, do you see Francisco Mejia finding himself in Tampa Bay and maybe not reaching the prospect hype because, again, it was very high, but – tapping into it and becoming a plus bat, let's say like a 110 WRC plus catcher eligible type of guy. Do you see any of that? Because he is still only 25. I don't. And I mean, not saying that it can't happen because we've seen the Rays do some pretty amazing things with maybe guys that we thought weren't, weren't worth much, but I just, I mean, the the stat cast data this year just really really gross like zero barrels his exit velocity was 81.5 uh, his launch angle was 23.4 like he didn't walk like it just the hard hit percentage was 13.3 percent uh, i mean and maybe we say okay you know 2020 is a wash it's a weird year but like that is just so bad that you have to just kind of go. I mean, I guess as a second catcher in a 15-team league, you can take the shot, but, like, how much do we expect him to play? He's, he's not good behind the plate. You know, they, they obviously prioritize. I think he'll bounce around, though, too, because, you know, he, he can so play many, other positions. They've got so many other players that can bounce around. And mm-hmm. I just, like, I, I don't know that there is a pathway to 400 plate appearances for him. And that, and I don't want someone like that on my team. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, I'm not drafting. I'm not drafting Mejia, Justin or Jason. What, what do you think about Mejia? Do you, does it generate any excitement for you because of the prospect type, or have we seen enough to think that that ceiling is is lowered? I mean, understand. <laughs> look at the catching history of Tampa Bay. Right? I <laughs> just look, and this is how low the bar is. I mean. The half a season of Travis Darnot is the high watermark of of offensive output from catching from this what, organization. For everything they've done Buster right, Posey. yeah, right. For everything they've done right as an organization, they have failed miserably at catcher development uh, or even catcher acquisition. Like the if even if you just look and go to the leaderboards and say, okay, show me the 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 F four. Uh, of catchers is like Jose Molina's defensive war is what saves it. And Jose Molina was arguably the worst offensive catcher in so the modern era, 
right? Yeah. And so that's what saves it uh, for them. And it, maybe it is the curse of not drafting Buster, uh, of not drafting Buster Posey, but they have just failed in all aspects of catching development with it. And so with somebody at one point at his peak was a top twenty-five prospect. Maybe that they can get something out of him, but I agree there is no path forward uh, for four hundred. If he gets four hundred plate appearances, a lot of stuff has gone wrong. Like there has been a major injury, he's having to play some time at first base uh, to get this, or a DH or somebody had to move. But I don't see a path forward from there. Uh, you know, even in a fifteen team in a fifteen team mixed league, I'm not really crazy about taking him as a second catcher. Unless it's like final round, it's like okay, fine, because I could yeah. yeah cut move along uh, that type of thing. Uh, but you know, in in a AL only format, uh, a little more value because of the off you're just looking for any kind of offensive upside um, as a as a second catcher in a single league format, and he has the talent. Now the recent results are they're just not there. But I think the, the, one of the problems has been he has not had any opportunity to really consistently play. Uh, you know. And uh, because San Diego is not, I mean, they gave him 244 plate appearances in 2019. And like I said, he was almost league average, but he was never going to unseat Austin Hedges behind the plate because Hedges was so good defensively. Which could Uh, be the same scenario here in Tampa Bay with regards to Well, it could be, but understand, I mean, mean, as bad as Austin Hedges at the plate, Mike Zanino is worse. And that's why that's why Mejia could get more opportunity here. I still see it as like a 60-40 platoon situation there on okay. paper to start the season, but maybe one of them outperforms the other. I mean, Zanino's only back on a one-year deal with an option, I think, or maybe just mm-hmm. a one-year deal, I forget. Uh, but, you know, we'll see where this goes. It, it does just, have an option. To me, to me with, with this is like, he's almost like the 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 lowest part of this deal. Like, I don't think he was a key part of this deal. No, uh, I, don't, yeah, I, I don't think, think he was like the fifth of five players because he was clearly on the way out in San Diego with mm-hmm. Camposano and with, you know, they, they got other options. Uh, and so, and they had already moved Austin Allen uh, over to Oakland. Uh, and so they had, they already set a catcher. And so like, to me, this was the fifth of five guys and he's got an option and hell wouldn't surprise me if he goes down to Durham to start the season uh, because hell. they're going to want to work on him. You know, Hey, you're here. You got to start framing better, uh, and so maybe exactly. he goes down, and they find some other veteran to plug in uh, at the, at the, to start off the season. So yeah, I don't see a path to 400. I don't see a path to mixed league viability this year either. You know, Blake, Blake he, had Hunt a, he had a negative a 12 WRC plus this year, and I mean, it's super small sample. He only had 42 plate appearances, but like he had a 69 Babbitt though. That's pretty nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, I He's just still like 25 too. I mean, he just turned 25. Yeah, Francisco. Yeah, I mean, there is some time, but like uh, age, to, you know, being young does not inherently make you better. Uh, I understand why we care about age. I, I'm not saying like don't care about it, but catchers take time. It, the catchers absolutely take time. He is a 302, 348, 506 guy at AAA in 541 plate appearances. He had that big, what, 50-something? What was it? Uh, what was his hitting streak in AA that one year? I mean, a hitting streak does not mean, like, you're elite, but that was something that he got notoriety for. And he actually peaked at prospect number five at BP back in 2018. So there was a lot of love for him out there. Um, you know, he was regularly in, like, the 20s and 30s as well. So uh, 11 at Major League Baseball. I don't know what our peak was. It's just I'm looking at the B-Ref where it has Baseball America, Major League Baseball, and um, and BP's rankings for Mejia. Let's talk Patino a little bit here. We don't really expect him to be a force, uh, like, to start the season. 
and maybe even when he comes in, is he a three inning guy? Justin, can you can you draft Patino in anything that isn't long term? Can you draft him in, a, in even a 50 round draft and hold? Does it make sense to take a shot on him in the 40s or something? I think you can, uh, only because. I mean, let's look at the rest of this rotation. Obviously, Glass now sits at the top. He's not going anywhere. And Yarbrough is, you know, probably locked in as well. But then you're talking about Michael Walker, Josh Fleming, and Trevor Richards. Not to mention, because everything is prorated, including, like, the service time for players uh, in 2020, he's, I think, accumulated about 135, 140 days worth of MLB service time already so if they want to try to game the system to get him another year of uh you know um control they're gonna have to hold him down for the majority of 2021 and Uh, they're not afraid to do that they're not afraid to but i mean as the team is currently constructed can they be nearly as competitive as they were in 2020 with this rotation right now and I, i don't know that they can i think there's a realistic shot that he's up on opening day um, and I'll take that gamble because the upside is immense. Uh, I mean, I know the results weren't there, but if you watched him pitch last year, he is impressive. Oh, yeah. The, the um, raw stuff is nasty. Like, I mean, the, the comp Jason made with baby, you know, baby Archer is is perfect. Somebody who can run it up mid-90s up to 100 with a disgusting slider and, and kind of go from there. Mm-hmm. But um, he also has, like, that changeup I think is usable. Like, it's not... I don't think he's a two-pitch guy right now. So uh, I I really like Patino. It, I assume his price will rise, but I don't think it's going to rise a ton. And it, and it may actually lower if people are thinking, well, he's on the Rays. There's no way he makes the opening day roster. He's currently going to pick 446. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, ahead of, you know, Bubik and, and Logan Gilbert um, and Rich Hill and Ross Stripling, like, I, I'm totally fine taking him there. Jason, what, what realistically, what kind of inning count do you see out of Patino this year? Uh, 50, 60 innings. Okay. I, I seriously think, I mean, it, it, he's 21 years old, and I, I seriously think they're going to give him time down there. If you look at Eric Long and Hangin's piece, he makes a really nice uh Really nice observation with Patino's uh, fastball. has got a lot of natural cut and movement. He he comps it to Pete Fairbanks, another guy who throws hard. Uh, and you know they had they made some tweaks to Pete Fairbanks' uh, fastball to uh, to get it to get some different life to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I could see them doing a similar thing uh, with Patino here as well. But it's you know they're going to have to. You know, put him through the put him through the camp of you know fastballs high sliders. You know, it's it's the recipe. And it's one thing again, as as poorly as they do with catcher development, they've done incredibly well with pitcher development. Aside from you know the McKay injuries of late, uh, the you know they had a Honeywell. rash of injuries, and I think a lot of that. I mean, Honeywell has been an injury for three consecutive seasons mm-hmm. now, but a lot of the stuff in 2020 that popped up, it I just you write it up to 2020. Uh, you know, otherwise they had normally I, there was a, somebody who I forgot who had done like a six seven year study, and Tampa Bay had been one of the best teams in keeping their guys healthy, and then last year, boom, everybody was getting hurt. Uh, but yeah, honestly, I see 50 60 innings. I really do see them not. You know, they need to – they gave away their one and two. This isn't a guy they can throw in there and say, okay, soak up those innings. Not at this age. It's, it's, yeah. it'd, be, it'd be so it'd be so against their track record and their modus operandi. Yeah, no, I, I agree there. You know, 
if something clicks and all of a sudden uh, Patino is is going off, sure, but it's unlikely to happen immediately. But he's so cheap that fifty round draft and hold. If you do want to take that flyer, I don't think it's out of bounds to take him somewhere in the four hundreds and say just in case uh, w- with regards to him. Well, they weren't done, and I, as <laughs> as the dust was settling on Snell, there's like you know they're also talking about you Darvish. And I got to be honest, despite the fact that we'd seen so many rumor then moves, I was like, well, that, you know, that one's probably not good. Oh, wait, it happened already. OK, cool. It <laughs> it happened so quickly. So then, boom, the very next night, you Darvish to San Diego for Isan Santana, uh, Reginald, uh, Reginald, Reginald Preciado, uh, Ismael Menya, and Owen Casey. Four prospects, very young the very, very cash-strapped and super poor and please feel bad for them Cubs couldn't possibly afford to keep you Darvish. Oh, my goodness. You know, how could they possibly afford that? Oh, that's a big market team. No way. Um, Fuck the Cubs, okay? Fuck every bit of their ownership. (laughs) Fuck the Cubs. Um, Can't wait to see those reviews on the podcast. (laughs) So angry if I was a Cubs fan. (laughs) I'd be so angry. And... uh, it's just disgusting. Victor Caratini is going with Darvish, but we're really going to focus on Darvish solely here. Jason, I'm going to start with you. Darvish leaving the Cubs, going to San Diego, stays in the NL, made a transformation in the second half of 19, has been elite since as a new command and control guy while maintaining his excellence of bat missing. He's 34 years old, though. Is you Darvish you know, a, a frontline ace? Can he put up a full 30-plus start season of this new guy that we've seen since the second half of 19. Yeah, I think he can. I mean, getting back to the transformation, that was really him completing his recovery from Tommy John surgery. And mm-hmm. he, we've talked often about, you know, two full years, let's kick it in. And that's exactly what happened because early on, you know, he struggled his first full season back with the command and then over the summer click and then he just was, went off uh, since. So I do think he can do that. And this is what I was hinting at earlier. It's like, okay, Snell was three years, 43 million. And Darvish is three years, 59 million. Yet the difference in these two trades is night and day. It's like the Cubs acquired four lottery tickets. I mean, the the return on investment here is going to take like four years to happen. Mm-hmm. Four years uh, to happen. And what what's really frustrating is, or, or, or confusing rather, is remember the Cubs fought tooth and nail to gain Chris Bryant's service time. So they yep. could be ready for this year. And here we are in 2021, and they're basically like, whatever, rebuild time. It's like you you did all that all that you could with everything for Chris Bryant. This was and then this is what this is what they do. Uh and again, you know, you, your ownership just sold a company for $26 billion. Was that what TD Ameritrade went to Charles Schwab? It's like all this money and then all the real estate around Wrigley Field. We don't have anybody. Dude. And, oh my God. It's like they cry poor. We and it's like, if, it. and, and I was with talking to somebody on Twitter this morning. It's like, okay, baseball has made insane profits 10 plus years. And if after one year, a team in the second largest, you know, third largest media market in the country has to cry poor and give it up. It's disgusting. How great, you know, what is this? A house of cards that baseball is built on? Exactly. And it all it's not, fall it's apart. Not, it's, it's like how fraud. It's, it's so bad. If I'm a Cubs fan, I'm burning stuff. I'm yes. throwing it into the fire pit to stay warm. You'd be like, this is it. I'm done. How can you do this? Yeah, it's 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 
It's so disgusting. It makes me so angry. You're not poor. Show the books if you're poor. Show the books. And I'll shut up if I'm wrong. I'm not wrong, though. I guarantee that I'm not wrong. It's just it, that makes no sense. First off, if you own a baseball team, you're not poor in any capacity whatsoever. Um, and, and yeah, you took one bad year. I get it. 2020 was bad for a lot of people. Nobody gives a, a singular F that it was bad for billionaires. They, I just don't. I'm sorry. If you ever seen one of those videos of like comparing, you know, millionaire to a billionaire to understand the the scope and and the magnitude of that, and and this family owning this baseball team and and now acting like, oh, well, we got to be real careful with money now. Shut up. Seriously, shut up. I'll stop ranting about it though. Uh, Justin, I'm curious what you think. We talked about Snell moving on up. Uh, with this move on on hype, you know, moving up a few spots, he's definitely going to pass Glass now. He could pass Maeda for the fifteenth uh, starter off the board. Darvish was fifth. You know, people are loving him big time here. He's going right after Bauer, right before Bueller. You know, obviously they're they're going in some order, uh, but he, he's sitting five. Does he leapfrog Bauer right now in San Diego while Bauer? is still out as a free agent because we know free agents definitely have their price depressed a little bit and then they usually go up although bauer is going 15th overall so i don't know how much more he'll go up but do you think darvish can leapfrog into the four spot or does he still live here at five even as a as a padre now i think he leapfrogs him for the time being and then when bauer signs it, it returns i totally but agree. i do think both these guys will be firmly in the first round uh, which, if you are a person like me, uh, who tends to not want to take pitching in the first round, uh, you're jumping for joy because you're you're <laughs> liking the Free fact, picks. yeah, you're liking the fact that other people. And if you're someone like maybe our, our buddy Toby Batflip Crazy, who uh, likes to you know do the pocket aces strategy. Um, then you're 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 a little bit bummed <laughs> that you can't you're not going to be able to get Darvish in the second round uh, mm-hmm. on the wheel. So, um, not as frequently, at least. Yeah, I mean, love this move for for San Diego. I I mean, yes, I completely agree with you guys in terms of the 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 Cubs crying poor is a ridiculous sentiment um it's it's offensive like it really is offensive yeah i mean and somehow they get away with it somehow Mm -hmm. like too many fans are like well you know we just just, they just can't afford it obviously they can't afford it um i do kind of like the return you know they get a piece in the rotation in zach davies uh, that obviously can't repeat what Darvish does, but at least can offer them some strong innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do like some of these minor league pieces, um, especially Reginald Presidio, uh, who is super, super young. I think young. it's Reginald. I think I had that right. Reg- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think he is a really interesting, super, super young prospect. I think he's like 17. Um, but, like you know, Eric Loggenhagen did a great piece on the site. Uh, over on Fangraphs um, to really highlight kind of the return. So definitely go and read that. But uh, Presidio was a guy that I uh, uh, I drafted in a number of dynasty leagues late, and I think this is going to be uh, you know a nice little landing spot for him. I mean, I don't know what much more you can say about Darvish. I think he's legit. I think he's worthy of a late first, early second round pick. I would actually take him over Bauer in redraft leagues. Uh, and I don't think that it's actually that close for me personally. Oh, really? Yeah, um, I, I would too, but I, I think it is like kind of a coin flip. 
I mean, I, I think if if you think Bauer's actually going to get to go every four days, then Bauer becomes well, be insanely hot. valuable. But, I mean, Bauer's inconsistencies over the course of his career just, just scare the crap out of me. Um, no, I, I'm with you there. Where I feel just more comfortable about Darvish's floor, uh, especially now that he's healthy. So... Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I feel bad for Cubs fans, man. You went through a hundred years of turmoil, uh, and you get the one win, and then they kind of totally abandoned ship years before. It was, they it was supposed should. to be, yeah, it was supposed to be the beginning of just constant contention, and it has absolutely not been that. And now all of a sudden, pieces are being jettisoned, and it's it's not it, over. I mean, it, yeah, it begs the question: like, who's next? Like, Bryant. We, yeah, is Bryant the next guy to go? Do they start, you know... They on... seem to want to lock in on Baez and Rizzo as the as the centerpieces. And I, so I think Brian's gone with all all that's gone on there. I'd personally rather Brian over Baez, but, uh, you know... Well, Brian's just got, what, one more? Is he a free agent after next year? Yeah, he's a free agent yeah. after this year. So, um, I you know, I just don't know what they would get necessarily for him. Not but... much. <laughs> I mean, they, someone well, I think well, will, well, will. What do you mean, not much? What you guys don't think he's like going to draw something big? At, at what a twenty million dollar salary this year? Yeah. Who's what team's going to honestly going to have left for the, a year? The budget? Yeah. Who's going to soak that up for a year? Well, the Cubs are going to have to. The Cubs are going to have to eat a lot of it, and then they'll say, "Okay, I need a better prospect if we're going to eat it." Well, that's the thing. To get a better player, they'll they'll do that. I mean, yeah, he's gonna well, they, they, yeah, they, they, they just refuse to eat any of the Darvish deal. So, I mean, why would they eat any of the, the Bryant deal? I mean, I think there would be a team that is, I mean, like the Braves. Why wouldn't the Braves go and, you know, add him, um, you know, a guy who could play? Yeah, whoever know. loses out on Springer. What about the Mets? Yeah, I mean, I could definitely Mets see it. Mets got money. Yeah. Yeah. That's one owner who's not crying poor. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the, the Mets, the Braves, I think, makes sense, although they don't spend a lot. But, you know. For one year, they were willing to do one year on Ozuna. Why exactly. not do one, one year, year on Donaldson? They're always willing yeah. to do one year. Exactly, exactly. That, you guys took like, so, they, 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 have it, they have that ledger, and there's like, who, who's our one-year guy? Who's our one-year guy to <laughs> fill in? And, and, you know, Bryant would be a, a good one. I think he'd be a, a good fit out there. You Dodgers are in on everything. Where would he play? Don't, who cares? Like, they're in on it. because The, the Nationals would be another team that – you know, I mean, they could stick him out in the outfield and, and round out that outfield. Now they got Bell added. And, or they could put Bryant. him at third, Mr. Carter Keyboom lover. Okay? How dare you? They could absolutely put him at third. Kendrick's not coming back, so Keyboom and, and Castro can mess around with, with second base. But, yeah, he would fit really well in left. They have Andrew Stevenson penciled in right now. So that, I think there is a mark, and I, I don't know that they're getting – you know, a massive piece, especially if it was with Washington. They don't have a great system. It's like Luis Garcia, and then and it's going to really... be a lot like this Darvish trade, which yeah, was for yeah, four seventeen-year-olds. You hope one or two of them pop, and it makes it worth it. So, yep. do you guys think that they'll be able to find two adult-sized Spider-Man costumes so that Zach Davies and Kyle Hendricks can do the Spider-Man? <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, that's he's a. Perfectly quality pitcher. He had a 477 ERA in 2018. Every other year he's been below four. This year he was below three. Look at his 379 ERA for the career and 128 whip and work off of that with Zach Davies. He's perfectly capable in in the right league, you know, 15 team, NL only. Uh, nothing really changes that much. I, he goes to a worse team, but I don't think it 
greatly affects his ability to he's pitched on bad teams before is basically and all the changeups. That's, you know, if he keeps that up, I mean, he, he almost had a one-to-one ratio between his fastball and his changeup last year. It, it was, it was fun watching him pitch. Like Davies was, he was quietly awesome for them. And I don't know that he got enough attention for what he was able to do. You know, did Nelson Lamette was, was, in the limelight for sure. Paddock, even though he didn't have a great season, still draws a lot of the attention. But yeah, the 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 dive into his changeup at forty one percent really turned Davies into into a force. So we'll see. Hey, how you does mentioned Lamette. Do you think that this rush to get these two guys speaks to what they believe is the true situation of Lamette's elbow? Not only his elbow, but also the fact that you know he's not a frontliner. Like he, he, he's just not, and I'm not doubling down on, on being wrong this year. I, I didn't want to draft him and I, I was definitely wrong there. I don't think he's trash. You know, I'm not the one who had him in the bullpen. <laughs> so, How dare you? You know, <laughs> I wasn't as negative. I just don't see him. As, I, I think he's going to come back to earth quite a bit. So yeah, you, you factor in the health, which cost him the end of the season. And the fact that he's still a two pitch guy. And unless the slider is just, overwhelmingly elite the way it was this year, I think he's still going to have bumps in, in the road there. So they need to get actual frontline guys. And now when you put Lamette at a three, I can, Paddock I can get your behind four. that all day. What's that? And Paddock as your four. Yeah, I mean, like, that's such a hot three, four there. It was also like, you know, I mean, this is a team that wa- obviously wants to compete for a World Series. And you look at their team as it was constructed a week ago, and you go, okay, where can we improve? And Especially really the only – yeah, I mean, the only place you can improve is the rotation. So you just make that – I mean, and who knows if the Padres are done. Like maybe they decide I mean, that – Tanaka and, and then have Morion in the in, in reserves. You know, so, like I could see them doing something like that. Like they're going in. I mean, I doubt they'd go that big. But, yeah, they could get still another arm. Which, by the way, can we please retire – the idea that when a team has a capable starting five, that they can't because <laughs> when the Darvish rumors were happening, but they already have five. Yeah, dude, because teams really just use five guys all year. Like it's so annoying, and we go through it every we, single. We've learned this with the Dodgers for years. Yes. Where every year we en- enter the year going, well, they've got like eight starters, well, and that's going to and and it works itself out. Yes. You know, every because year because of injuries. Yeah, yeah, so. and, and and so you know. Morion's their five right now. That's not even like I like Morion, but he's not a guarantee. So they could still use, you know, yeah, uh, twenty-two years old. I mean, he's <laughs> yeah, they could put a shoemaker back there, and who else? Uh, Chatwood. You know, they could put a guy like that back there and still push Morion to being their six with Gore waiting in reserves as well. So yeah, the, yep. the Padres are loaded for Bear. Really eager to see what they do. Yeah. Uh, it's, go it's ahead. Kind of funny though. I was gonna say when you look at. The, the starting pitcher market, obviously, there's still a lot of guys out there. Bauer's clearly the, the the runaway favorite, but there's also some other decent dart chances. But I was looking at the crowdsourcing results, and honestly, they've been almost spot on. I mean, outside of the Drew Smiley, that Atlanta paid double what the crowdsource was. <laughs> you know, the crowdsource was 1-5, and he went 1-11, so more than double. But Waka, 1-3, signed 1-3. Discofani, 1-6, signed 1-6. Minor, 2-20, signed 2-18. So it's like they've been sp- – so you look at some of the other guys out there on one-year deals that you could soak up. Like if if Adam Wainwright still wants to pitch another year, you know, there's another possible uh, guy to throw in the Tampa situation uh, with along that. But, you know, other guys, Garrett Richards, Taiwan Walker bounce back. Uh, so there's uh, there's plenty of pitchers out here, and somebody's going to end up with a nice bargain on some of these guys because the, obviously in this in this marketplace, 
nobody really wants to spend yep. uh, outside of the, the the top big guys. But right now, people have made a lot. Like normally by this time, we have a lot of our free agents consumed and they're what, off the market. Right what now, it's not get, happening. What if San Diego gets silly? And I, I don't actually mean silly. They get they get a little froggy with us, and they bring back Corey Kluber on a one year deal. Mm. Kluber has yet to throw for a team yet. That's to me. That's the concern, Justin. When we talked a couple of weeks ago, that was the the news item. Uh, Kluber well, still is throwing early January. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's supposed like, to though in a few weeks. So yeah, like I'm January, not. I'm not. 40, 40. I mean, we especially with a lot of the big names not having come off the board yet. Uh, I don't think he is feeling the pressure to show anything quite yet until Bauer comes off and kind of unclogs the rest of that pitching market. Mm-hmm. Um, he he doesn't have it, you know, the reason to. So I, 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 you know, I mean, the reports are that Kluber, you know, is healthy. Um, now, whether or not we believe those reports, because they're likely <laughs> mostly coming from his agent, um, <laughs> is is another story. So we'll, we'll get more information on, on Kluber. But, I mean, they could add a, a Kluber. They could add a Tanaka. They could add a Paxton. Paxton, um, yep. I don't think Garrett Richards wants to go back there after they moved him into the bullpen last year. So, But, like, a Taiwan Walker. Like, why wouldn't – like why that would be a great, you know, That'd affordable signing. You amazing know, so. fit, yeah. I still, think, I still think rebuilding teams should be in on Taiwan Walker. Like, maybe the Tigers. I don't know. Rebuilding maybe. teams should be in on everyone right now. I mean, Well, yeah, is, because the market – This is a time, yeah, where you can fill out your roster for much cheaper than you will be able to in a year from mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, I think that's going to do it. It's great to have the whole band back together. Uh, we didn't get our usual meetup uh, about a month and a half ago in – in Arizona, so it's been a while since all three of us have talked. We stay, we stay active on text, but uh, it's great talking with you guys. Trades have driven this market, which has been a lot of fun because, as you guys are saying, we still have basically the the, the bulk of the free agent market to go. So we'll see if things turn around as the uh, as the new year strikes, and uh, hopefully we can get another three pack going on one of these Sundays coming up soon. Because I know uh, once once Jason has to get back to work, Sundays become the day for him. So hope you guys have a good rest of your week and a happy new year. And I'll talk to y'all later. Take it easy. See you.